Okay, you ready? Thanks for joining us tonight, guys, on this week's episode. Of course, we have the owner of Underground Reptiles, Ryan Gitman, and a banging guest, King Tyrone Spong, who is Tyrone, you, King of the Ring, Spong. Spong. King of the Ring. You're going to see tonight why he is the King of the Ring. If you are not huge into MMA or huge into kickboxing, as he is, one of probably the one of the best kickboxers that has ever lived. You like that? The best. The best that has ever lived. Tyrone, I knew you before I actually knew that you were Tyrone, King of the Ring, Spong. And Rye kept telling me, like, yo, you don't understand. This is a bad dude. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure he's a bad dude, but we knew each other because you knew Ryan and you would come to the farm and Oh, he's a dad, he's got kids, he has iguanas, he's got birds, he likes mammals, like, until, like, I watched and saw with my own eyes who the king of the ring was and said, holy crap, this is a bad dude. Rye, would you agree? What I would agree with, he's bad looking. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I would agree with, um, it's really cool to know Tyrone apart from King of the Ring. Because you think he's just another animal geek. Uh -huh. You don't realize that he's a bad dude. That, that's, I think to me, Tyrone doesn't introduce himself like, hey, how you doing? My name's Tyrone, King of the Ring, Spong. I introduce him like that. Uh-huh. You, you, you can know Tyrone for 10 years and have no idea he even fights. He doesn't carry himself like a fighter. He doesn't act arrogant like a fighter, like most fighters. I mean, when you have the accolades that Tyrone Spong has, it's like uh, real power is not having to say it. You know what I mean? Right. So the, the blessing for me is, is knowing that half of my friends and family have no idea K1, kickboxing. Oh, that's, that, that's, that's dad's friend Tyrone. That's all. Yeah. Oh, dad's friend Tyrone's here. <laughs> they don't know. It was more of a down-to-earth, natural, yeah. just... This is Tyrone. He comes with a farm. He lives around the corner. That's Tyrone. But your record, 107 and 7, is that accurate? Not exactly, but. Okay, tell me. I think it's 125 and 7. Dude, is and that then, not way past? Well, like then you got MMA. MMA and how many fights in MMA? Two MMA fights. And, and how many boxing matches now? 15. 15 and over 140 fights you got professional on your fights. hands. Professional yeah. fights, Plus yeah. Plus our, our scrap fights that we're going to yeah. talk about tonight. Just don't tell them what you do to me. But for a different topic, you got into fighting first or you got into loving reptiles, mammals, and avian first in Suriname. No, I was um, I was born in Suriname, South America. Um, I was born into it. Um, I wanted to become a vet. You know, when when you're sitting in the in the circle at school and right. the teacher asks, "Hey, what do you want to be, Johnny? Johnny wants to be a police officer. Timmy wants to be a fireman. Tyrone, what do you want to be? I want to become a vet." That was. Um, that was always 
something of interest, animals, uh, nature, and um, so animals first, and fighting second. Fighting came after. Yeah. It's funny because that school circle, I imagine you sitting there, like you look now, like, you know. Buffed. No. You, like you never no. existed no. as a kid. You Ty are, Tyrone, you were born how you look now. Tyrone as a kid was about your daughter. Yeah. He's skinny, like no, no imagine that he that he that he fights now at heavyweight because his earlier fight, what are you finding, 45? My, yeah, 45. Most were at 45. <laughs> but my first fight I had when I was 15 years old, uh, my pro, pro, I turned pro when I was 18, 17, but I had my actual pro fight when I was 18. But I was. Um, I was thick and bones, man. I was not an That's why your fat. kids are so skinny. Yeah, just ripped up. And uh, I look at myself sometimes. I'm like, my mom looks at me and it's like, my you skinny. You fat bastard. Yeah, right. my skinny son. Look at him now. You know? All right, I got to ask a question. Because I remember for me, uh, one of my neighbors in New York, he had a snake. Mm-hmm. He said, he, he, in New York, it's kind of a funny thing. You live in the city like I live in the city, and every summer, people that live in the city, if you're Italian or if you're Jewish, you go up to uh, upstate New York, just two, two, three hours out of the city. And you go up there, and then there's snakes there, and there's no snakes in the city. So I remember the first time I saw this guy had gotten a milk snake. He caught a milk snake, and he, he, he went to Times Square in, uh, in Starrett City, Right outside of Brownstone, right, right where Tyson's from, yeah. right, right in the area of Tyson. He got mice from there, and he brought it home, he threw it in, and I watched this snake bite, wrap it up, and, and I watched the eyes pop out of the pop snake, up. and I was like, this is just the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I just life. witnessed it. I want to hear yours. What, what's the first, what's the animal? I mean, growing up in Suriname, what's the first animal you, you saw, and you're like, man, or has it always been? Well, my, so then we have to go back to my grandfather. My grandfather was, I think he's the cause that I'm infected with this sickness of yeah, animals. Yeah, let's talk about it, him. It, it, it's, it's not just something like, I can, I avoid pet stores, pet supermarkets, farms. I, I try to avoid it because I can't walk in and not leave with some type of animal. Mm -hmm. That's why now at my house I have... I, I don't know how many animals I have. I lost count. It's over a hundred, you know. I got and just that's just me. Right. But um, my grandfather was. Uh, What's his name? Charles. Charles okay. Spong. All right. Yeah. I got to envision. Yeah. Well, you you probably this was a. I won't express that type of language, but this was a big. He was two hundred and seventy pounds. Whoa. 270 pounds, he was uh, Mr. Ol um, not Mr. Olympia, Mr. Suriname uh, back in the 50s. Um, he Man. was always a very athletic guy, um, did gymnastics on the rings. Um, and I used to love just visiting and he would tell these stories. And he used to make his own cages. He was one of the first that started to develop cages and build them handmade but beautiful he used to build aquariums um, he had uh, tropical fish he had his aviaries were huge and you know from toucans to 
tanagers to uh, you name it, parrots, macaws. He had everything. He had monkeys, uh, you name it. And he would go into the jungle, uh, trap them himself, and then or find babies and raise them himself. And every visit, because he lived in the city and I lived outside, I lived in the country. Every every time I would visit my grandfather, I would leave with a pet. And I guess that's how it started because it started at two, three years old. Mm -hmm. that he would give me something small to take care of. So he lived in the jungle or more no. in a rural area and you lived in the city. No, he lived in the city and I lived in the, what do you call that, suburbs. Like I, I lived in the country, mm -hmm. you know, the country and... Uh, farmland type of stuff? Farm, farm, the type of farmland, like, like this area, you know, obviously... Not like what kind of cities roads. did they have in Suriname? Are they cities? I mean, because when you say cities, depending on who's watching, it's like, I'm from New York. I think city, I think, well, you got New York, Chicago, LA. I mean, when you say city, what, think about another the capital, city. The, ca the capital. Building, streets, nah, Miami. Nah, nah. This is, uh, it's very old school. So uh, plantation type of houses, right. you know, like uh, two stories with the, balcony railing uh, wooden houses but uh, very nostalgic very it's, it's beautiful it has it has this type of beauty you you could compare it to Cuba um, Jamaica you know some parts are very nice some parts are not that nicely mm -hmm. developed but it all has this beauty so on your so Charles Spong your grandpa got you into it because he had a crazy collection on your farm or wherever this area is that you lived in were you seeing reptiles on the regular or were you close to areas that you could go and herp and look for stuff and everything that he was collecting could you do that from where you grew up so as a little boy when the school bus would drop me off yeah after school i had to take a nap that was required 30 minute nap an hour nap when i woke up the first thing i did was go outside try to trap birds um catch lizards catch snakes um we had across the street we had a we had a pit like a little swamp pit and there were caimans there and they would have they would have like clutches and it would hatch and if I was playing on the yard you could hear the babies and then I knew like okay shit it's time I can go have some fun and I would make a um, we call it a, a, a strop that's a, a noose like a long stick with a little noose and then I would go fishing for these baby caimans and I would catch like 10 12 put them in a bucket and take them home and I had no place to put them so what would I do I put them in the in the in the bathroom bathtub. in the shower yeah, in the bathtub so guess what happens my sister comes home she wants to take a shower and that results <laughs> in Tyrone and, and, and Tyrone getting his oh, ass whooping you know <laughs> like are you ma you, your son he's nuts he's grandpa fought. Charles told me that yeah so and I and I used to like when I look at this generation growing up, now my kids are are 
different because I raise them the same way. Like my kids are not scared of animals, snakes, you name it. I, I actually have to stop them because not too long ago, my five-year-old daughter comes inside with a, a little mud snake. And I have to explain to her like, hey, when you see a snake, call daddy. You can't just go catch it because you don't know what type of snake it is. But, you know, that's how I grew up. That's that's what we did. So did you guys, I guess in, in the Caymans and whatever other birds you're trying to catch, did you see crazy mammals growing up? Because when you think of Suriname, Guyana, South America countries, you think more zoo-type animals, jaguars and sloths. Oh, yeah, but then you would um, have to go a little bit more into the interior, but we would, across my house, I could see, occasionally I could see a sloth. Um, they had monkeys coming by, you mm -hmm. know, the capuchins. Uh, um, uh, how do you call it? Katmundis? Quadis. Yeah, quadis, you know, in the street. I mean, because we lived close to undeveloped uh, a property, you know, like jungle. Mm -hmm. So we would have all that just pass by. So the, 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 the predators, a little smarter, they, they didn't come because they would get shot at or whatever. But if you have prey animals, you have right. predators. So you guys didn't have like farm animals out there? Cause you didn't want them coming. No, I did. I did. I uh, I had my first sheep when I was my first goats and sheep when I was like three years old. And they get eaten by anything? No, but uh, anacondas, anacondas. Cause what we used to do is we had to tie out our goats. I had to go stick a pin in the ground with a long cord and tie your goats out before you go to school. And then when you come home after school, you take them out to the stables. And occasionally, Mr. Anaconda... You would, come home and it's... Anaconda right there. You, ate that you, rope. You, you, go, you go to fishing for Anaconda, pulling in the Anaconda with a rope. What are some of the tales from Suriname that they talk about the Anacondas? Well... Whether you know if they're true or not. Uh, so... This was before my time, um, so my my uncles, my mom, when they were five and six years old, um, they it was even more untouched, you know. By the time I came around and my nephews and uh, nieces and cousins, it, it was already more developed, a little bit more modern than, you know, because when my mom was small, there was no electricity there. You know, there was no uh, real running water. They had to get it out of the water pit and everything. So the animals were not as hunted as back then. So the stories are that my uncle told me this, that when he went fishing as a little boy, um, they went to this lake and the water pit, the swamp, swamp area, and he went to sit on what he thought was a, a tree log. And he's sitting and he's fishing, and after a while he feels like it, the ground is moving. 
toe, he keeps fishing, and then it, it moves again, and he looks good, and he sees that he's sitting on a snake, on an anaconda, that fat, that he thought it was a tree log. Now, mind you, I'm going in the bay with my uncle, like, uncle, you're just bullshitting right, me. Right. Like, he's like, no, why? This is real, like, this is, it really happened. And mind you, when you're six years old and everything, you, you, you experience stuff differently. So I'm going in a discussion with him like, Uncle, listen, you probably, you thought like, when I, if my kids see Ryan now, they think he's a giant. But when they become older, they see like he's, he's a giant, but he's not a giant. You know, yeah, what I'm I was trying to see how you're gonna finish that one. But, <laughs> but he's just a fat old guy. But my uncle told me that they, they they got so big so old that they didn't waste energy going around and hunting they would lay there and wait for prey to pass and just eat them right there and there was moss growing on them and grass on top of them that's how big they were and um, I know I know a lot about snakes uh, I know the scientific names and you name it. Uh, they say that max 15 feet for anaconda female and nine, eight to nine feet for a male. It's not true. It, Cause I've saw with my own eyes way bigger, you know, at that time I was not focused on taking out the tape measure and measuring them, right. but I, I caught with my own hands, with the help of uh, my friend that I was hunting with or fishing with, I caught bigger anacondas than that. And How many I, friends did you have that did that with you? I mean, was, it, was that a subculture? Because when I was growing up, it was major subculture, you know, um, to like snakes and you, you were a weirdo. I mean, and we had to go to the city and they, and they had herpetological uh, clubs and stuff like that. and. There was just a small, so there was no money in it. There's a, it was strictly a bunch of weirdos. How, how was it in Suriname like that? Was, was there a bunch of people like that? Like, where I'm from, the country, uh, it's called Para. Yeah, Para is, is um, Patfawanika. That's outside of the city. Um, they always say the guys from Para, they the city boys are softies. We're like, you know, like we're the stronger kids. They didn't grow up with much and mm -hmm. just, you know, you living off the country. Uh, sorry? Paramaribo? Paramaribo, those are the softies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, guys from Suriname, you know what we say there, so don't, don't shoot the messenger. But, um, so, we didn't have other shit to excuse my French, we didn't have other stuff to do. So what would we do? We would entertain ourselves. I uh, started to trap birds. Mm -hmm. So most of the guys from that area or country, country bumpkins, they know how to handle themselves in the jungle. They know how to survive, you know, cause that's how we would entertain ourselves. We would gather with a little group Collect. and go, go, go yeah. fish, go fish. And at that, time it was more passion when I was five or six nobody's thinking about making money like that mm -hmm. we're just doing it um, 
and most of those guys I'm still friends with and some of them are now official export uh, owners mm -hmm. working with the exporters that have the permits that so they're the trappers for the big export companies right. you know so I'm, I'm, I'm in in, in uh, good relationship with all of them yeah. still you know so if i i want to show you some snakes from cerna that i get in that um you at least you haven't seen before here and i think that there is we have a great supplier from as long cerna. as it not, not a bathrobes I'm, I'm good no 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 <laughs> but we do get those from cerna I know. yeah i know and a bushmaster um but I truly believe that the collector that we have is going out um, and he talks about going to the interior and um, bringing stuff from different parts of, of the country. But some of the stuff he ships us, I think are so rare that w we were talking about the scientific names of them and they have multiple scientific names, but they don't have multiple common names in the industry. So I, I believe, not being from Suriname or ever going over there, only looking at shipments that I get in, that our, some of these snakes that we have are super rare for being over there. So I, I want to put them in front of you, and I want you to tell me if you've seen them growing up or okay. why you lived there, when you lived there. Um, I, got, I brought, um, actually, our snake guy, Dan. Any rare snake we get in from really Guyana and Suriname, he ends up taking home so he has probably one of the coolest collections collections i think um or i guess just a lot of the rare stuff in Suriname. so this right here this is called a worm snake and this is a female and she actually just laid eggs for us this is the only one out of all the shipments that we've got in from Suriname that i've seen come in had no idea what it was um our supplier had to give me the scientific name for it. It's got a little tongue. It's kind of like a giant version of a blind snake, mm -hmm. but it's called reticulated worm snake. <laughs> I'm anxious to see if you've seen those out there or anything like that. I think, I think I, I've seen these under... Um, you know when we when we go into the interior and we go hunting or fishing you have you have a type of fruit tree uh we call it maripa it's like uh the big nut and the agouris and whatever when it falls down they come and eat it but those trees when they fall down cuz they they have like some um like how do you like thorns on the, like the, the real big no the i'm talking about the the trunk has thorns oh, okay. on it to gotcha. protect the fruits up top but um when they fall off i think you see these guys underneath that like that like, might live in the tree yeah, trunks like like worms you know but to us like we don't pay attention to to it too much you understand what i'm saying so i can't say with certainty but i think i have seen it living I, in the trunk yeah 
No, under like under the mulch. It's like these trees have have these like these palm trees with the thorns, and then they fall off, and and they they pile up because over the years they just fall and they pile up. And I think I've I've seen it there. So this that's interesting to know because I wonder if you can go out there and get more. I, prob trees. I probably can. It's one phone call away. <laughs> this is uh, a pseudoboa, and more common in our shipments, but still, we don't get a lot of these guys. Um, we just got in some that my supplier had caught a female, um, and he let her lay, and he ended up hatching them out, and we just got those babies in. And this is older, I don't know if this is male or female, but we got this in a couple months ago. Yeah, these these you see more often, you know, that's with certainty I can say that. What do you call them over there? <laughs> we don't have like a real... It's not like a jackfruit. No, like for certain snakes, we don't really care. We just call it snakey. <laughs> with me, snake, <laughs> you know. But you've seen these over there. I've seen this. Yeah. I've seen this. And you have another variety of this type of snake because as youngins, we, we always thought that was venomous because, you know, you're not educated on the shape of the mm -hmm. head and everything. So you think it's venomous. So they... Are you guys killing every venomous snake over there? Or an no, anaconda no. when it comes on your farm instead of most, letting it wreck your Most of the goats? guys, when they, like, they used to, now, you know, my friends, we don't bother. If it doesn't attack you or harm, try to harm you, why would you? But mostly, people are not really snake friendly over there. Yeah. But this is a beauty. What's known as the, the most dangerous snake over there? Bathrop. Bathrop's the... Yeah. Uh, um, Bathrop's... Uh, Fertilance? Yeah. Fertilance? So like everybody knows what a fur like here in Florida, everybody talks about the coral snake. Uh -huh. Oh, it's a coral snake. So they kill every snake thinking it's a coral snake. Yeah. Is that how it is with the fur lines? Yeah. Because we it, get those in. I know. I know. I, I've seen yeah, them. I've seen them, and they are um, they are aggressive. Yeah. You know they are aggressive. Very what about aggressive. the bushmasters? They just not seen very often. They they are deeper in the interior, mm. but the bathrops is more like in the city too, like near the city. So that's like our version of a cottonmouth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They see that. They see that the machete comes out, and I'm and I'm even like guilty of that because we were fishing and we had little kids around playing so I found two one of them start hissing and strike so their head went off so you killed it <laughs> this right here you got it yeah you got dogs and you got kids look at that sorry thing. snakey how crazy is that this is crazy this I've wow, I've never right? seen <laughs> I, I've never seen this no that's um Syphilis cervanus, is it called? Syphilis? I don't think you got that right. <laughs> I don't think it's syphilis. Do you guys in Suriname call it syphilis? <laughs> nah, I, we don't call We We would call it snicky. <laughs> I've never, uh, never seen probably this. Probably syphilis. 
I never Cephalus saw this. Cephalus I never saw this. Look at the head on that thing. Smoking. But the, you, you got to understand one thing. Suriname, you're going to be surprised even more when you actually go with somebody that pays attention. Because it's 93% untouched rainforest. 93% untouched rainforest. Every year, there's hundreds of new amphibians and reptiles discovered, even mammals. Because only 7% is like developed and, and, and city and you know, like suburbs and, and uh, farmland. Ninety. You understand what that is? Right? I guess I imagine a map of Florida at our Everglades, and just even though we touch it, um, it's not. You know, you can't build on it. So you look at South Florida, and, and we have this little tiny sliver, of the Tri-County area, and then the entire rest of the West west of that is just green. We here we have Everglades, so it's, it's a little. To imagine being on this open field of plain, you're talking about thick jungle land, basically. Mm -hmm. Canopy. Thick canopies. Canopies. Yeah. That they don't know. It's it's like the bottom of the ocean. They have no idea what's in there. Canopy, um, hills, mountains. I mean, it's it's crazy. I've been I've been to places because I have the resources, so I've been to places where no human being really set foot before. Maybe maybe a hundred years ago when the, the, the native people were walking and just building their, their villages. What are native people? Is there, are they like uh, Indians? I mean, what, what, yeah, what are native, 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 native Indians. And I've seen... Do you, you know what they look like? Were they? Yeah, yeah. My, I have family. I'm, I, I'm part native, so I have family. Same that, skin tone? Yeah, same. You have a jaguar walking past you like 15 feet from you, and he's looking at you because he's never seen a human before, never been shot at. Uh, you see tapirs walking by. So you see giant otters, river giant otters. Uh, they just look at you because they never seen a human in their life before. So it's not a threat. They just look at you as another person. No, really? Yeah. Dang, that's not what I think a jaguar would think when it comes across a human. No. What about this one? What the? <laughs> <laughs> We didn't realize we were playing Stump the Expert today. You know, it, it, it's so interesting to, to know if the native people, if that's a rare snake in Suriname, because it's rare here in America, but is it truly rare in the country it comes from? Look at it. How it's can crazy it not looking. be rare? Right? Look at this thing. Well, we think sometimes you, some, you know, some people will find like a corn snake, and, they, and if they think it's a rare snake, even though it's an absolutely beautiful snake, like a snake like that, we don't know if that's like a corn snake in, in Suriname, but mm. apparently not. 
I've never seen it. So Dimitri's doing a pretty stinking good job, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I could make one phone call and, 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 you know, there's levels to this, what they say. So I'm, I'm an expert, but then you got the grandmaster. Yeah. If the grandmaster never seen it, it's rare. Because he goes out constantly. He, yeah. he barely, you know, he, he lifts. Man, but look at the sheen on it. Look at it. it you know those, um, it looks fake. You know, you know those, uh, um, the, those kid toys that they have that have all these colors? You don't know what I'm talking about. Legos? I don't even know. No, it's not Legos, man. It, it's like some, I don't know. I have to Google it to show it to you because. What about, um, your, what about your um, toads over there are super, super big. Oh, yeah. We get them in there are just ginormous. Are those everywhere, just not, like they no, are here, no. marine toads? No, Except not, they're giant? Not, not, not everywhere. I mean, we have around here where we, where we just live here in our area, you see some big toads. Those are average back home. You see them everywhere in the city, everywhere. That's normal. But I'm talking about when I go into the jungle, I've seen with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I was a little younger, so I don't want to exaggerate. But that toad was like this big. Dang. <laughs> this big. That's like when your kids say Ryan was big. Are you trying I'm to not do trying that? To, or not, it was giant, giant? I w it was giant. It was giant. We get them in pretty big. Where did you move They're eight, center? ten inches. I, I, I was six, but when I... Um, so where did you move when you were six? I, I moved to Amsterdam. I moved to Amsterdam. Where did you start kickboxing? I started kickboxing when I was 13, almost 14 years old. I was 13 and I... Turned 14 uh, a month later. Why'd you move to Amsterdam? What was your family moved there? My mom made the decision. Um, things were not going too good in Suriname at that time, um, according her, and she wanted to provide me with more options for my future. What was the education. family business? Uh, my mom used to work in a, um, aluminum company. She, they, that's what they, she was running an aluminum company. And um, before that, they were farmers. You know, my, my grandfather was a farmer. My grandmother was a farmer. What did they farm? What was their product? Uh, milk, eggs, chickens, old school. Did you work eggs. on their farm a lot? I, I, I was too young at that time, but when I went back, um, I used to do work there. and. Um, you know, I remember a fu funny, this is funny, because my uncles used to, by that time they made some money and they um, they needed to clean out the trenches and the gutters, right? And um, like we have in front here, they would clean it out with the, with the uh, bobcat, the big bobcats, and clean out all the vegetation and everything so the water could keep running for the cattle and so what my uncle used to do is dig it out and drop it on the on the on the bank 
and me and my nephews, we would go in and catch fish because fish fish would get caught in all that mm-hmm. muck. And we catch and we catch and we catch and occasionally you grab and you catch and you pull out and it's a snake. You know, and that's how that's what we did, you know, that's how we grew up and Do they have electric eels in Cernan? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dang. You ever come across them? Oh yeah. What's that like? Not fun. Not fun. You ever get a zap by one? I got zapped. I got zapped. My I, I've watched the shows where a, a big croc will buy one and man it just it yeah. stiffs them up, man. Um, that's why I still prefer uh, to go in, uh, we call it Coryal, is a wooden canoe, because the aluminums, these eels will shock you and you will shock the whole canoe, shock the I whole canoe, and blast you out. And when you seen you, that happen? Uh, it happened to us, to me and my friends, you know, I had my friend, um, it, it, it's there's some so powerful there that it doesn't even have to touch you. It will give out these bits, bits like little blitz. So they don't have to bite it. No, you don't have to oh, touch, no, touch it. it. That's it. It's Just only, skim it, touch it, get yeah, near it. Yeah, and it will shock you. Roasted boat. You know, and my my boy, uh, he was like getting dizzy because one was just close to him and sapping, and. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. All right, so you go from Suriname, you go to Amsterdam. How do you get here to the U.S. and really start your kickboxing career? Um, no, by the time I came here, I was already like eight-time world champion, I think. So you really started you in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah, wow. I, I, I started in, in Amsterdam. and. Um, did you, were you ever exposed to the um, Muay Thai, uh, the Thai kickboxing, or is, is your background completely Dutch? No, that's, yeah, it's Dutch, but we, we Cause I never to, seen you throw elbows. No, we used to fight. I, I could put on a fight where I <laughs> tried to split somebody's <laughs> wick with an elbow. Um, we, we used to train and we used to fight everything. Kickboxing, Thai boxing, you know, cause there is a difference between regular kickboxing and, and Thai boxing, Muay Thai, because they allow clinching. And in kickboxing here in America, it was only, you know, kickboxing and no no clinching allowed, um, no knee strikes allowed. But you have a, a variety. You have Muay Thai where they really do with all the elbows and everything. Then you another common name for that is Thai boxing, which is basically the same. But on an event. The promoter could say we're doing Thai boxing, but without elbows. So it, everything else is they allowed. They make up their own stuff. Yeah. So I grew up fighting whatever. You know, I fought. I fought a lot of fights like that. So this fight right here that we're about to watch was where was this? Where did it happen? This happened in the <sighs> Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. So this was a strictly kickboxing, yeah. no clinching. This is glory. It, there is active clinching allowed for a, a, a short period. If there is action, they will allow it, but no clinching and holding on. And okay. in glory, there was no, you couldn't grab the leg, couldn't sweep the leg, right? It, it, 
if it's in one action, right. it's allowed. Yeah. All right, so this is by far my favorite fight that I've seen of yours. Not that I've seen a crazy amount, but anytime we're talking about Tyrone, this is the fight we bring up. Uh, this is the fight that Ryan shows everybody that we're like, yo. It's going viral, man. It, it goes every few months. It, it circulates on the net. This know? fight's absolutely insane. So if you could break it down for us, you're about to go um, to the center of the ring and have the stare off of a freaking lifetime with this guy. Let's watch it. Hold on one second though, before. So the stare down is, is the, um, it's the beginning of the end. But this is round four, this is quarterfinals. This is. Uh, so explain how the how glory fought, breaks down their three, tournaments. I, I fought three times that night, that same night. I this was times. your third fight. This was of my the night? first fight of the night. Oh, okay. Yeah. You fought twice after this. Yes. Wow. Okay. And that, so, what what round is this? Is it round four? This or? is round one. The whole fight. This is it. The whole no, no, fight. No, 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 no. The, meaning meaning in the in the tournament itself. This is the quarterfinals, semis. What is this? Everything was decided the same night. This was the final. So the at final. This point, oh, this was the final. The final was three fights in one night. So everybody qualified. The last um, sixteen were there. Let me see. Me uh, or the last eight? Because we fought three times that night. So if you fought three times, there should be twelve guys in it. And then as they. As, as there's three fights? No, there's not 12 guys. That's... Or did somebody get a bye? Was that? Did somebody get a bye and not have to fight three times? No, no. Everybody had to fight three times. Is it single elimination, double elimination? No, single. So the only the, the winners of each bout in the bracket continues. Advance. Gotcha. Yeah. And this was your first fight, yeah. right? Okay. First fight, here's the stare down. Dude, was that not freaking intense? Yeah. Are you it, kidding me? It, it, it was, it was, cause, um, so, I, I, how do I word this? So, I'm, I'm, I'm a professional. I'm a professional. I don't take anything uh, personal if you don't make it personal. You know, I understand every man feed, uh, fights to feed his family or to accomplish his goals and 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 whatever he he has set for himself to to become in life. You know, that's why we fight. Um, but to say it in in. I'm the closest thing to a, to a animalistic person there is, bro. Like, the, it started at the weigh-ins that he wanted to try, because he, he was a younger guy at that time. He, he he was making a name for himself, and he was known for his knockout power and hitting people and talking trash and everything and. It, it was close because he, he he started at the weigh-ins and that set the tone like I took it personal then because this fight was almost cancelled at the weigh-ins already 
So, because what some people don't understand is I don't play that. I'm different. I'm not. I'm not from the city life. I'm. I'm from the jungle. We don't do that. <laughs> you know. So if if you cross the line with me, I understand you want to promote the fight. Promote the fight. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about my family. Don't. You know, like keep it between us. It's professional. We gotta fight. We're gonna fight anyway. So whatever you say, don't matter. Right. Tomorrow is fight day. Well, you gave that dude the lazy eye stare down and didn't even blink. No, because so, it was game time. It was game time. So you come out of the corner. Let's watch the rest. Clip right here. Tell us what happened. I was um, starting this fight intense, but a little too relaxed. I was too relaxed because I didn't see him too much as a threat, and I gave. I tried to give a lazy inside leg kick. On that moment, he made a quick one-two, very good. Um, I was not hurt. Hurt. He more got me off balance because I was throwing and I, I was standing on my on my uh, uh, right leg and throwing the left inside leg. So that's what exactly happened here. He dropped me. Um, you could see him sprinting to the neutral corner. He was excited for his to get life. In the yeah, because he thought like, oh boy, I got the big fish. Hang on, today. But hang on, back it up just a little bit because I, I want to tell you what my favorite part of this fight is. And I know it's what not it is. The knockout. Back it up just a little bit. I know what it is. <laughs> a little more. Okay. Uh, We're going to watch this knockdown again. And then I'll tell you. Watch this right here. Whoop! That sweep with a leg where you got right back up. I know. <laughs> that was like, to me, for somebody that doesn't know the ins and outs of what you guys do, that looks like, yo, this dude's ready to go and he's pissed. Because yep. you didn't have to spin and hop back up, but you did. Was no, that just, I, I did it, or? No, because I was like, like I said, I was not hurt. And I was like, okay, we're, so we're really playing like this. This is how you want to play? Right. Okay. To me, watching that fight as many times as I have, it, it seems like you were ready for a feeling out process, and he wasn't. No. It's like you were going to, you were going to move a little bit, warm up a little bit, and he came in guns blazing. Yep. Caught you off yep. guard. Yep. Bang. So now, this is my favorite part here. Ready? Are you okay? okay? I need a nap. <laughs> Back it up again. Back it up again. So I've asked you before, Tyrone, hey man, what were you doing with that arm out there? Were you just judging the distance or covering your face? My, I, I was aiming. That's my aim. And you just knew, I'm going to hold this out here. Yeah, and I, a few I seconds, knew, I knew I he, was, he was, um, he made a rookie mistake. He made a rookie mistake, you know. Um, Excuse me, I need to see. <laughs> when you, can can when I get you, back up a second? Hold on. Did you, did you know when you hit him that dude was not coming back? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One, one connect, more time, Woody. Back it up just one more time. I connected and my hand was... Um, very badly bruised 
after that first fight. So I had yeah. to fight with. Yeah, there it is. Right there. And that's a sledgehammer. Knuckles is, is a terrible thing to wear. That was Rashad in your corner? Yep. Rashad Evans? That's, that's a UFC light heavyweight champion, Rashad Evans, and one of the greatest Dutch kickboxers of all time, also in your corner. Yeah, you did good, man. That was a nice little kiss you gave hold. me in the beginning. Oh, that was nice. I don't know where I am. Now, who's, who's that dude? That was my uh, strength and conditioning coach. Slip right into the punch. Bah. Whiplash. Is it the punch that you don't see coming? So on a normal dude like myself, would that punch just completely remove my head from my shoulders? It, it was not only for a normal dude. Um, and this is like, I don't hold grudges. I, I'm not with the pity stuff, but like he's a trained fighter. And even after the fight, because we're in the, after the fight, he was in the, in his, in his room. And he's like asking his coach, like, hey, we, let's warm up, we're going. And his coach is like, warm up for what? It's like, I have a fight. It's like, you already fought. Like, he, he had a bad concussion. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Very bad concussion. Oh, I wouldn't have even been alive. No well, sixth fight. Ryan, close us out. When you hit somebody like that and they don't go down, have you ever connected on something like that and stepped back and said, man, this guy can take something nasty. I, I, got, I got to dig in for a long night. Yeah. Tell, yeah. me, tell me who. Who did you hit the hardest and who hit you the hardest? I think the hardest I got hit was uh, by uh, a guy named uh, Nathan Corbett. Mm -hmm. He hit me so Big hard. Big white dude, right? Yeah, he hit me so hard that, you know, I got a knockdown. But... I remember getting hit and I was like, whoa, that punch hurt. That hurt. Yeah, he hurt me. He hit me so hard, it hurt. I was like, jeez. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, he hit me hard. And who, man, I, here's a funny thing, Ryan. All combined, I have over 100 knockouts. I hit so many guys so hard. I don't know which one. I have, to I have over a hundred knockouts. That's insane. That was was, okay, insane. so then, then what was the most satisfying knockout? Oh, I got a few of those. Okay, this, have you have you ever watched um? What's the black beast name again? I always forget his name. Who? Derek Lewis. Oh yeah. Derek Lewis for that that the big uh was he? Vo Alexander Volkov was he German? Mm -hmm. No, and he's, he's Russian. Russian. He's getting the crap beat out of him for two rounds and 48 seconds. Yeah. And he connects that one Hail Mary. Do you have Ooh. any of those? What What do you remember in your in, in going out for the third round or, or, or whatever and saying, yeah, uh, I got to finish it this round? Honestly, I, 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 most of my fights have been dominant. I never really was in a do or die situation. Like, oh, I need, now I need a knockout. Like Derek Lewis, 
he really needed a knockout because he was gonna lose, and that was a satisfying knockout oh, for man. him. Oh um, man! But uh, no, no, it was not. That was not satisfying for me. Nothing. I just uh, a learning process, and and still developing, you know. But I think this was one, and I fought a guy that said something about me. I don't want to. Talk bad, but Remy Bojanski. Remy Bojanski. <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking yeah, about. Remy what do you say? No, he, he, I'll tell the backstory. Yeah, okay, Remy Bojanski was kind of the old guard. Yeah. And here's this new guy, and Remy Bojanski happens to be the guy from Suriname. You're both from Suriname. Yeah. He yeah. was, oh, the, but Remy Bojanski was the okay. guy from Suriname. Now here's this new guy coming up. And everybody's, oh, no, it's Remy. Oh, he's not as good as Remy. Remy, Remy, Dang. Remy. <laughs> yeah. I see so it on he, your face now. <laughs> no, no. Now. No, the, the, the thing is, I, I moved up in weight classes, and I went to heavyweight, and um, I fought for a world title that night, and I won, and I was very dominant. I put on a, a, a clinic. Beautiful performance against a very good uh, game opponent, uh, opponent, Sabit Samedov, and I made it look easy. So I would expect him to give me some props that night. Um, you know, I was younger, so those things at that time it mattered. Lot, yeah. You know, uh, but he didn't. He, he said he had some comments that he made, like uh, it was not too impressive, but. Maybe if he continues like this, he he might be a a big player, if he if he, but he needs to get better. But mind you, like a few weeks before, Remy was at the gym, and I really really put put out some work on him, and I got the better of him in 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 the sparring. So I was like, one, I'm from Suriname, you know, I'm representing Suriname. Two. I, I I whooped you a few weeks ago, and then you're gonna talk about me like this in on on national TV. I was like, alright. And then after that, he said something again in the media about Suriname, and I'm pro Suriname. I love my country, so I was like, alright, I remember that. So when I got the 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 option to fight him, it was uh, right away a yes for me. But then I got stab infection in my hand, and I couldn't use my hand for like five weeks. And I was training with one hand the whole camp. My coach said, you got to cancel. I was like, I ain't canceling. Because mm. if I cancel, he'll never accept the fight again. And he's going to trash it too. Yeah. He's going to say. So, so the reason it was satisfying is one, I'm the only guy in history that knocked Remy Bonjeski out cold. And two, I knocked him out with the same hand that I had staph infection with. That you hadn't used for... And I hadn't used, so my my hand was itching to go to work. Dang. <laughs> I was resting it for five weeks, so it was itching to go to work. And it did the job. One last question. You met Fedor, yeah. right? Yeah. Did you... I don't know if you guys were close or talked a lot, but was there anything that you asked him and applied to your game that completely changed it? Um, I started training with Fedor when I was 16, 17, and I kept training with him. I was sport 
I was actually part of the same management team as, as Fedor. I was part of a Russian Red Devil team. Um, so it was Alexander, Fedor, Andrei Semenov. Uh, mm. My friend fought Andrei Semenov. Yeah. So Do you remember Tubaron Shark, they used to call him? Yeah. Um, um, Amir uh, Boussad. Yeah. He fought Andrei Semenov in Russia and beat him and they robbed him. They would not. <laughs> Uh, Semenov was a he was tough dude. Because he was tough in Russia. Yeah, right? he was in Russia. Oh, it was almost impossible to win over there. You got to knock the guy out. <laughs> and if and, and then the corner will get him up and wake him up, and then you got to bury him to win. <laughs> you know, so, but I um, I became Fedor's main sparring partner, and I trained with him for one of his biggest fights in MMA history against uh, Mirko Krokop. Oh, man. And, I uh, I prepared him and just being around him, he was uh, very funny. You wouldn't say really with, with me. He, he talks a lot. He, he even says uh, some certain words that I taught him. <laughs> not not good, but he says he says some certain words. Um, just very professional. Um, he always used to tease me because I was skinny back then, but very strong and explosive. But I would always diet. And he used to love to make a, a protein shake with some vanilla ice cream. And he would always tell me, like, man, you're skin and bones. Just drink the shake. It's good for you. I was like, nah. I'm he looked like he drank shakes. <laughs> yeah. No, but he will, he would milkshake people, too. Right. When he, he rattled them, man. He was so explosive. Oh, he was the best. Crazy. Crazy cool to watch. I, so, I tell you, I, I do want to say something. Um, if you're watching here and, and you're watching for the reptiles and you're you really could care less about um, about fighting or even even Tyrone Spong. I want you to know that there's a, a superhuman disconnect. It, it's, a, it's a supernatural disconnect. There are some guys that can fight in the gym, whether it's jiu-jitsu, whether it's boxing, whether it's anything like that. But the buildup for the fight will bring such anxiety like some of the greatest jiu-jitsu players in the world. I, I, I always tell the story of um, my, um, my master in, in jiu-jitsu is, is um, Ricardo Laborio. And one day we were um, cornering um, Jay-Z Cavalcante. Mm -hmm. And Jay-Z Cavalcante, it was an hour before the fight, and, and Lebo, he says to me, wake, wake Jay-Z up. Because Jay-Z's sleeping on the floor in the back room. And he goes, he grabs my arm and he goes, if I could do that, I'd have been world champion. Lebo said that? He couldn't. Lebo got so nervous, so wound up before fights. That's why he only had one MMA fight. Mm. He Too just... Anxious. Too anxious. But, but you have some guys, their, their, their nerves are under complete... They're either nerves of steel or they have such control over their, their own facilities, their own faculties. I'm telling you, 99.9999% of people have no idea what it's like. Like, if you go to a Naga competition and you step on the mat, that'll like, that'll make your heart go boom, 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 boom. Now you go up the ladder. Let's say you, you get in a cage and fight MMA in an amateur contest. Let's say you go pro and you're in a place that houses 500 people. Let, now go up the ladder to the highest, highest levels. 
and you have a six to eight week training program. 60,000 people I fought for. 60,000 people watching you. Media, press, people pontificating, trash talk. There is nothing that you could understand. This man has done this 150 some odd times or more. There is something that you want to just go. <laughs> Get it in there. Take that. Well, it's, you said animalistic. Yes. That you, you're as close to animalistic as that, you can that, that's it. A, Like, you have some other fighters, like, they're more controlled. Um, and I'm, I'm controlled. I have some balance. Um, but a tip for that, what he's explaining to the, to the viewers and everything, uh, a good tip. That might help some. Other other people will look at me as a lunatic, but it works for me, and I think it's something that I I uh, thrive on. Is the key to all that? Once you do something, the key to be calm and know what you sign up for is acceptance. I accept my fate. I accept that I'm going to do that that doesn't mean that I don't that I don't train my ass off that doesn't mean I I sign a contract for a fight and I'm just going to be like you know what I'm strong I'm just going to chill and no I work like there is no tomorrow I train but there is acceptance like I don't care what's going to happen that night and that's a little bit lunatic from me but if I live or die I don't care because that's how I'm built have you ever been nervous I mean can you remember a fight that that you were wow I got a little, little butterflies here oh yeah yeah a, a which, lot, guy? A which, lot, which guy a lot for tons of fights tons of fights was it even, one more even, than even, another even even more once I became champion yeah. Because now I have something to lose. Mm -hmm. Before I was just, I'm trying to get there. Do you remember when Fedor lost? Who did Fedor lose to first? Big, big. Verdum. Verdum. Or Verdum. Was that the triangle? Beats yeah. Fedor by triangle. Yeah. Dang. And the interview, I love the interview afterward. The interviewer said to him, Wow, the great Fedor lost. So we didn't expect it. And through interpreter, he said, Whoa, you guys made me what I am. I never said I couldn't lose. I don't, whether I come here, I, I come here to compete. Win or lose doesn't bother me. You guys made me the great Fedor. I never said I couldn't lose. I just come here and fight. I can never lose again or I can lose every time I fight. I do what God, I, I, I accept whatever God has for me. Yeah. And I just, I was so amazed at that, that, you know, this, if you ever watch Fedor, same, it's that same deadpan, I'm here. I'm here to take care of business. Yes. Yeah, Is that where you got it from? Because he kind of just explained what. It, it, I think I, I'm just. Um, I'm just built like that. I, I mean, I was um, a guy, a kid that I I didn't talk too much. I didn't talk too much. I'm a, I'm a guy of action. I, I don't I don't waste time going in discussion and everything. If there's a problem, we're gonna handle it or not. And I accept whatever happens. 
you know so that's how you're a street I was, fighting kind of guy oh yeah but when I was younger poof you know stabbed. was it because you moved from Suriname to Amsterdam yeah they not used on? to it not used to it is there not a lot of not, not, not a lot of brown people in, in Amsterdam is there well my area where I grew up the Belmer B-I-J-L-M-E-R Belmer sheesh Back then, back then, now it's it's. The ghetto. It, it was it was nasty. You know, I got stabbed, I got shot at, I got so many things growing up. Um, but even there, it was just you know survival of the fittest. Scrappy. It was concrete jungle. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the jungle, the weak die. That's Do you remember it. Oliver McCall? The boxer. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good boxer, Oliver McCall. He had the, all the makings of a champion. He couldn't cross that line, though. What happened? Wait one time. He couldn't cross that line. He, he literally, by his last few fights, the, the higher the ladder he crawled up, he, he literally had panic attacks in the ring. He couldn't cross that line. So that that psychological stuff, it always um, it always astounds me because the fights that I've had, the best I've ever done in fights is where I get there and they're like, hey, you want to fight tonight? I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. I don't want the build-up, man. Right. It's, the, it's, it's my, it's my drive. Yeah, it's my drive to the, to the place. That's my, if, if I could just train and, and be at the place. Be play. in the ring, <laughs> yeah, right. That, 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 I, I had some last minute fights and even better. Right. You know, but I, I got to, learn I had to learn how to cope with the process of the preparation knowing you're gonna see the opponent's face day in day out for the next eight weeks 12 weeks you're gonna because it's gonna be in the media or social media now even worse back then we had those posters throughout the whole city where I lived every I, 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 I walked to school I was still in school, walking to school. I was professional already. Walking to school, see my poster, <laughs> my pictures in the in the bus stops and at the kiosk everywhere, you know. And then just knowing. And then the kid used to go to a rival school, and I was fighting him. So oh, it was dang. like, but I was, I always, I always came through. I always yeah. came through. You know? All right, Tyrone. Thank you for the stories. No problem. I, I'm glad that I know. About these snakes now, and what's where, and what's really not. Well, <laughs> it gives me insight to, to say, like, man, he really never sees these. And for somebody that brings them in and, you know, sells them and stuff like that, that's awesome to know. So thanks for joining us, guys.